No, I don't need a second one. I got my football, I got my stick, made loud noises, got everyone's attention. Okay, uh, I want to pray over the, uh, the tithes and offerings um, uh, first. Uh, the other thing I want to say is that on February 17th, when we restart uh, doing kind of our worship and prayer nights, that's actually the beginning of Lent, you know, which is the 40 days uh, leading up to Easter. And so we're not going to do as a church, we're not doing like a formal fast of any kind uh, during those 40 days, but I would encourage you, you know, as you're seeking the Lord, I think Andy and I were talking like living a fasted life is different than just taking 21 days and then just fasting something. But I really think the Lord is calling us to something deeper, something more, and abiding in him is a constant saying, like, I'm not just going to do this for a few days and then walk away, but I'm going to live a fasted life. And so here's another opportunity during the year that we have leading up to Easter to really just say, Lord, what do you want me to give up? Lord, what do you want me to change or do differently during this time? Because I'll tell you what, during the January uh, fast for 21 days, man, the Lord had revealed some stuff to me. Like me personally. Like, you know what I mean? It was just like some of that stuff we were talking about earlier today. Some of those deep, dark things that, you know, you were believing some kind of lie or you, you had this mindset of something that was off and you just weren't living authentically to yourself. And it was just really good. So I continue, you know, I just ask you guys to continue to press in, uh, press into the Lord uh, during this time. So let me just say a prayer over the offering. Uh, Cole, I'm not going to read the scripture this morning. We're just going to get into the message. Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord, for this beautiful morning, Lord. We thank you that you are with us and for us. We thank you, Lord, that we can trust you fully with our finances. And day in and day out and week in and week out and month in and month out, you continue to supply for all of our needs. Father, we thank you, Lord. We trust you with our finances. And Father, we just pray just an anointing over the message today that you will lead and guide and you will change our hearts. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, open up your Bibles to 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2. We've been doing a series on 1 John. Uh, I've been walking through kind of passage by passage in uh, 1 John. And uh, I just want to, we're going to continue to, we're going to pick up where we left off. But before we get there, I just want to talk about the Word of God for a minute. I just want to talk about the Word of God for a minute. Cole, I've got a scripture up there that I didn't ask them to turn to, but it's Luke 4.4. 4. And I just really feel like this whole message is going to be really geared towards us turning our focus and our eyes to the Word for everything that we need in every circumstance, in every situation, turning our eyes to the Word. And it says this in Luke 4, chapter 4, but Jesus answered him saying, it is written... Man shall not live by bread alone, but, I love that, but by every word of God, every one. We can't live by bread alone. You know, today's Super Bowl Sunday, of course, and I got my football, and I've been holding my football recently uh, as I've been given messages, just because I think I mentioned before, I grew up with a ball in my hand. I mean, I wasn't born that way, I don't think. Like my mom didn't say anything about that. But as soon as I came out, it was like I just always had a ball in my hand. I've always loved athletics and sports and all of this stuff. And I've always would see how sports could relate to different things. But just recently, the Lord has just been speaking to me over and over and over about his word. About his word. About his word. And it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. 
Man shall not live by the wings and the pizza tonight at the Super Bowl or the fancy dip, or the barbecue sauce, or whatever you might be having together with family or friends or by yourself. Maybe you're not even watching the Super Bowl, but the point is we don't live by that. We can't live by that. It's actually not nutritious for us in the sense from a spiritual realm. It isn't. It's just food, and we need it to sustain us from a physical standpoint. But God's word is what nourishes us and nourishes our spirit and truly radically transforms our life. I saw this in, I think it was Smith Wigglesworth's devotional. It says, God's word is this, supernatural in origin, eternal in duration, inexpressible in valor, infinite in scope, regenerative in power, infallible in authority, universal in application, and inspired in totality. And if that's what we really believe about the Word of God, then we should read it through, we should write it down, we should pray on it, we should work it out, and we should pass it on. Come on, on, church. I mean, do we really believe that this Word of God is going to transform our lives? I know faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God, and faith comes when we hear anointed, you know, uh, preachers and messages, but this, this fundamental truth right here is what will radically change your life. And you can't say, I want to be radically changed, and then not open up these scriptures and go after God to be radically changed. You can't sit there and say, raise your hand, I did this to youth all the time, I trick them, I may have told you this before, I say, who wants to be more like Jesus? And they're all like, ooh, ooh, me, 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 me. I said, well, if that's the case, let me tell you about what you have to do. You have to invite him into every area of your life. You need to begin to read this word of God and get it on the inside. I don't care what age you are. The word of God is living, breathing, sharper than a two-edged sword, and it's doing its work. Amen? Amen. So we're going to pick up where we left off in 1 John chapter 2, and I'm going to start in verse 15. And we've been talking about what it means to abide in him. Abiding in Jesus. Abiding in him. And we talked about in previous weeks, we have to be able to have a a communication with him. Which means we have to trust him. We have to make him our Lord and Savior. We must be in his word. We must follow his commands. And we talked about how this is a process. This this is a process. And, And I don't know if it was Uncle Don, you and I were talking about this, but... People's testimonies, I think the most beautiful testimonies are the ones that happen in a, over the course of time, that it's a process of God working and moving in your life. Yeah, we love the miracle testimonies, right? I had cancer one day, and the next day, I went back to the doctor, and it was gone. And, you know, I couldn't see, I literally couldn't see out of my left eye, and then somebody prayed for me, and then I could see. And we cheer, and we rejoice, and we get so excited at those things. But an equally powerful, an equally marked miracle, an equally exciting one, is as God is working in our life, day in and day out, taking us from here to there. That is a miracle. It is a wonderful process that God is working in our lives. And I think too often we get upset because, you know, I came up to get prayer and somebody prayed for me and my situation didn't just immediately completely change overnight. And we get frustrated sometimes. I get it. You want something to move right away. But I believe what the Lord is leading us to in this season, as we abide in him, 
As we abide in him day after day after day after day, our lives will become more and more radically changed looking like Jesus. This is a process. This isn't like we look like Jesus tomorrow just because we said a prayer. This is a work in progress, yeah? It's a work in progress. So here we go. Let's talk about 1 John chapter 2, starting in verse 15. It says, Do not love the world or the things in this world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. <sighs> you know, sometimes, you know, walking through an entire chapter of the Bible and kind of preaching from it, I think I mentioned this last week, sometimes it's hard because, you know, sometimes you want to just skip these things. You don't really want to talk about all the difficult stuff. I want to pick and choose messages that make us all feel happy and good. But let's read that again. Do not love the world or the things in the world. Is he saying I shouldn't watch the Super Bowl tonight? No, I'm not saying that. We're going to get to that in a minute. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Wow. When we align ourselves with the world and not with God, we begin to believe as the world believes and not as God is directing us to believe. It's actually saying that love of the Father is not rooted on the inside of us. The Bible talks in Scripture about a good word planted in good seed. And I'll tell you this morning, my prayer for each and every one of you is that you are a good, fertile ground. So that when the word comes, and you hear the word, and you read the word, and you see the word, that it gets planted and rooted deep in your heart. It's a very specific command here. It says, don't love the world or the things of the world. And I have this phrase that I've been using, and I want to explain it a little bit. It's called, let's be not normal. How many of us want to be not normal? <laughs> right? Let me tell you a little bit about what normal is. So I did some research. This is like normal, okay? Now I'm not talking about what does your house look like in the evening when you're trying to put the kids to bed. Because I can tell you that every house looks radically different in that situation. Or when you wake up in the morning, whatever. I'm talking about this normal. Here's some stats on normal people. They sleep eight and a half hours a day. You may, this may resonate with all of you. They have five hours of leisure a day. Normal. I need more leisure. <laughs> 4.5 hours of work per day. This is probably an average, so maybe you, know, you take off the Saturdays and Sundays, right? Maybe this is the, this is the deal. 1.5 hours of housework. Unless you have a lot of kids, then it's probably more than that. 1.1 hours of eating and drinking. 45 minutes to get ready for the day, 40 minutes of shopping, 30 minutes of caring for one another, and here's the one that jumped out at me. Between 5 to 15 at most minutes a day of civic or religious activity. This is normal. Five minutes a day. Normal. And if that's the metric of normal... I would like to be not normal. Church, I want our church to be not normal in that case. So here's what I also read. Here's a normal person is this. Fearful, afraid, has anxiety, speaks negatively, spends more time watching TV, 
than almost any other thing they have when they're not working. They're worried about the future. They're not sure what happens when they die. They don't have a great marriage. And they compare what they have versus others. And I truly believe, church, that as you look at what normal is, that we as a church and as a Christian and as a follower of Christ, we can't be normal. And the way that I truly believe that we have, can change that normal, that normalcy is we have to spend more than five minutes with the Lord each day. Because you can't feed yourself 4.5 or five hours of leisure a day and only have five minutes with the Lord. It just doesn't work. The recipe leads to what a normal person is, which is all these things. Now, I'm not saying if you battle or you struggle with any of these things, then that means you're not a Christian. I get it. I, I struggle with all of these in some cases, in certain times. But the more I'm in the word of God, the more that he is able to take me through these things. So, I'd like us to be not normal. Because you know what? Without God, every one of us fall into this category. Amen? Without God, every one of us fall into this category. You look at people that God has used in the Bible. They were, quote unquote, some normal people. Abraham, Moses, David, Peter, Paul, the disciples, Matthew, Mark. They were normal people. But what made them not normal is an invitation from Jesus Christ. What made them not normal is they asked Jesus to come in and penetrate every area of their life. And they decided that they would make a dedication to him and to him alone. And they became not normal. So what's the root of this problem? What, what is it? I want to read this next portion of, of scripture up. And I want to understand this a little bit more, starting in verse 16. So we talked about being what not normal looks like. For, says this, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but of the world. So there's three things listed here. I want to talk about what those three things are specifically kind of in like regular terms. The lust of the flesh, basically the lust of the body, wrong desires of the heart, an appetite for indulging in all things that incite sensual pleasures, and the like. Lust of the eyes. That the eyes are delighted with riches and rich possessions and covetedness of what you don't have. We're going to spend a little time on that this morning. And the pride of life. This is a vain man or woman craves for grandeur and includes thirst after honor and applause. These are the things of the world, is what the Bible is telling us. These things are of the world, they will quickly fade away and die, but the holy affection that we have towards the Lord will not pass away in Jesus' name. So here's the big challenge for me and for others. I'm just going to pick the one that, that I have a challenge with, is the lust of the eyes. I think each and every one of us fall into this trap one way or another, and I want to explain that a little bit of what this is. What it basically is, is I'll call it the comparison trap. It's the comparison trap. If any of you are on social media at all, 
you will have an inclination somewhere inside to begin to execute on the comparison trap, the lust of the eyes. Because most people don't post things on social media of like their worst possible day. They don't post things even of reality. It's only the good stuff. It's the beautiful meal that was made. Right? How many pictures of food? Can we take any more pictures of food? I don't know. I can't cook that way. And what happens is, and not just even in social media, but every time we go out and anywhere that we go, as our eyes are roaming and looking to and fro, in the inside of us, in our minds, not from the Lord, in our minds, we begin to compare. Well, that person is a better parent than I am. That person's better looking than I am. That person spends more time in the Bible than I am. And we begin to compare ourselves to everybody else. And it's a trap that we fall into. What it is, it's a worldly trap. It's the lust of the eyes. It's what we are looking at and what we are seeing. We are wanting that more than what God has already given us. And I'll tell you what, I don't know where Camille is, but if you ever travel overseas and you spend some time outside of Fairview and Mill Creek, Pennsylvania, could just go even go downtown Erie for a little bit and your eyes will be open to see what the world really lives like and the challenges that are really out there. And I think too often we get into our comfort zone, this is me included, we get into our comfort zone and we forget the blessings that God has placed right in front of us. And we begin to look at other places, looking at other things. Being not normal would be this, to actually to stop comparing ourselves against everybody else. And start asking the Lord to show you where does the journey that he has you on. Not my journey. Don't look at my journey. My journey has nothing to do with you. Can it inspire you in some way or somebody else's journey like Billy Graham or whatever? Sure, you can be inspired, but that's, that was Billy Graham's journey. This journey here is Jason Ackerman's journey. What's God's journey for you in your life? Where does he want you to grow? Where does he want to do in your life? We have to take our eyes off of what we see others doing. Because the Bible says that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. He creates you, and how he created you is beautiful and perfect in his eyes. So I have a funny story to explain this a little bit. So when, I, when we started working at the church, I think it was in 2010. I believe it was 2010 I came on. I was helping at the church. I was doing some things for small groups. And the, youth, the person who was leading youth was stepping down, and they asked me if I would be interested in running youth here at ECF Church. I said, you know what? I think I could do that. I would like that. I like kids, you know, teenagers little bit. I like kids and teenagers. I'm just kidding. And so I started running youth. And I started looking around at how everyone else was doing youth. I started looking around how everyone else was doing something else. And I know each of moms, come on, moms I know based on feedback I have from my wife on how you compare yourselves to others constantly while they're doing it like this. And so I began to compare myself against other youth pastors and how other people were doing it. And I went out, listen to this, she knows where I'm going with this, I went out and I bought myself a necklace. Now you're like, why is that funny? Because I don't wear necklaces. 
but every cool youth pastor had a necklace that they wore. And I went to, where did I go? Buckle? Buckle. I never walked in the buckle. I don't even know if buckle still exists. I walked in the buckle and I got this, it was like a leather necklace with like some kind of cross on the end of it. And I wore like a V-neck t-shirt and this, this chain type thing. And I'm like, and Liz is like, what are you doing? I'm like, well, this is what a youth pastor does. And we look at everyone else and how they're doing it versus, Lord, how, how have you created me? How it, he cre- I like a sweater vest. I like a sweater vest. And I wore it today on purpose and I like to hold a football. Not because it's Super Bowl Sunday, but this is how God created me. I like a sweater vest. I don't like a leather necklace around my neck. But I got caught up in this comparison trap like I need to be like someone else or I need to look like somebody else. I need to act like somebody else because this is how they act. And the Lord's saying, take your eyes off of other people. Take your eyes off of other people and put it on me. And the takeaway here is this. It's a one phrase takeaway for today. Turn your eyes to the word and not to the world. Turn your eyes to the word and not to the world. You know, the difference between those two words is one letter. Mm. One little stinking letter, L. It's all the difference between the word and the world. But I'll tell you what, the removing of that one letter, oh my gosh, means so much in our lives. If we could say, Lord, what do you want from me? And I want to read your word and find out what it is. I want to understand my identity better. I want to find what my identity says in the word. Not in the the world, but in the word. I don't want my identity to be the job that I have. I don't want the identity to be anything else but what the word of God says is my identity. Turn your eyes to the word and not to the world. Matthew 24, 35 says this. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. All this stuff of the world that we're looking at. Oh, I would like this car or these clothes or all this stuff. And I get God gives certain desires and passions for things. But unless that stuff is being used for the kingdom of God and his glory, and we're counting those blessings, everywhere else that we are looking is distracting us from his word. His word. It says right after this in 1 John Chapter 2, and I'm going to pick up back up in verse 17. It says, the world is passing away. The world is passing away. All this stuff we see with our eyes, it's all going to pass away. And the lust of it, which is what we're talking about. But he who does the will of God abides forever. He who does the will of God abides forever. So I'm just like, Well, shoot, what's the will of God? Like, I probably ought to know. Yeah, don't you think you ought to know if you're going to abide forever what the will of God actually is? Like, that's like one of those things like, you know, if someone skims by that, you're in a class and someone's teaching something and they skim by, you're like, yeah, 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 but time out. 
You need to explain this a little bit more. You can't just skip by this thing. You can't just skip by, but he who does the will of God abides forever. So what this scripture is saying is that the world is passing away. All of it's going to get burned up at some point in time. Everything in the natural, that's which we see. But those who do the will of God will abide forever. So what is this will? Now, I could give probably a whole sermon series on the two phases of the will of God. There's the sovereignty will of God, and then there's the command will of God. And there's two uniquely different things that you can see weaved all throughout the Bible of the two. And in fact, sometimes it feels like they're in conflict with each other. Because we pray on earth as it is in heaven, and we know what the ultimate will of God is, but yet we see things happening, and why does he let that happen? And we kind of get ourselves confused. But this will here is talking about the will of his commands. And the will of his commands is this, is that none shall perish. This is what he wants to see. That none shall, so this is his will. It is God's plan for redemption of mankind. And what this scripture is talking about, if you want to abide with God forever, you have to make a decision in your life to invite him into your life. It is the will of God that you be saved and to be with him and to have a relationship with him. That is what it's talking about because it talks about abiding with him. We have to abide with him to to seek and to fulfill this will that God has in our life. It says, 1 John 3.23 says this, And this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another, as he gave us commandment. This is his command, this is his will, is that we believe on the name of the son, his son, Jesus Christ. So his ultimate will for us to abide with him is a relationship with him. It's an abiding with him and in him day in and day out. It says this in Romans 12, uh, verse 1. It says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world. We cannot allow ourselves to be conformed to this world. But what do we get to do? We have to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And the way we renew our minds is turning to the word and not to the world. We must turn ourselves to the word and not to the world. We get transformed by the renewing of our minds. So what can we do? We can prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Michael, if you want to come back up here. I want to end with this this morning. You're wondering what the stick is, yeah? Maybe you didn't even see the stick. I got a stick. And I don't remember who I was talking to. Maybe it was Tammy. Um, They used to attend a church down in Pittsburgh, and because this isn't, I didn't come up with this. Somebody else had this, but I thought it was a really great illustration for us. And the pastor, I believe, took a branch, and I think he, you know, week one, we're not going to do this for weeks, but you could see that that stick or that branch had some flexibility, had maybe a little bit of life left in it, but it wasn't connected. It wasn't connected to its source of life. And week after week, they, people would come back, and you would see the thing begin to wilt and begin to wither. 
begin to get dried out. Becomes weak. Broken in pieces. Becomes pokey. Sharp. The edges on it. Easy to snap. Easy to break. The Lord showed me this morning when you throw a stick like this into the fire, it burns up really quick. But here's what the Bible is telling us this morning in John 15 says this. It says, Abide in me, and I in you. As this branch cannot bear fruit of itself, unless it abides in the vine, then neither can you and I be able to bear any fruit unless we abide in me, in him is what it's saying. Jesus, is, this is him quoting, he says, I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. There's no fruit coming off of this stick. This stick has been separated from its source of life. And you cannot walk around day in and day out being separated from the source of life, which is God and God alone, and think that you can take any kind of wind, any kind of flame, anything at all, because you're separated from the source. It says, if anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. But look at this. If you abide in me, and my word, <laughs> and my word, and my word, and my word, and my word abides in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you will bear much fruit so you will be my disciples. Bow your heads with me this morning. If you're here this morning and you're willing to be honest and say my eyes have been on the world and not on the word as you command it to be. If you're here this morning and you feel like this dry stick weathered broken weak sharp <laughs> edgy Say, I want to change that this morning. I want to make a decision this morning that I'm going to turn my eyes off the world and put them on the Word. If that's you this morning, just slip your hand up. I want to pray with you this morning. If that's you, 
Everyone's eyes are closed and heads bowed. No one's looking around. Thank you. Thank you. I see your hand. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, you see each person's hand that's raised. Father, you see their hands. You hear the cry of their heart. They're saying, Lord, I want more of you and less of me. Lord, I want to look away from the world and to the word and to the promises that you have for me. Lord, I want to stop looking around and comparing and contrasting and judging either others or myself to some standard that you did not set. But Lord, I want you to show me the standard you have for me and the journey that you have for me. And Jesus, I invite you in to my life today. I invite you into every area of my life. Penetrate it. Change it. Mold it. I want to abide in you and draw my strength from you and from you alone. It's this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen, 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 amen. I really feel like the Lord is, is he's challenging us to go deeper with him this year. He's challenging us to abide with him in every circumstance, in every situation. Yeah, surrender. Surrender, surrender, surrender to him. Prayer teams, we're going to have some prayer teams come up here. And I know we got a finance meeting that's going to start here right after church. But I would encourage you, we will take a couple minutes and allow people to have some time to come up here and get prayer. And then we'll start that finance meeting a little bit after that. So if you have any prayer requests at all, maybe you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, and you say, yeah, I raised my hand, but I just want someone to stand in agreement with me and pray with me this morning to receive him in every area of my life, there'll be people up here who can pray with you. So just bow your heads and receive this benediction this morning. It's out of Philippians 2.12, says this, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to do for his good pleasure. So let us do all things without complaining and disputing, that you may become blameless and harmless, children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life, so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ and have not run in vain, or labored in vain. Father, we thank you for this day. Father, I just give us the strength as we possibly get together with friends and family during the Super Bowl. Father, may we be that light. 
May we be the ones holding up somebody else that needs held up in worshiping you and putting you front and center in our life. And Father, we thank you for it. In your precious name we pray. Amen and amen, amen. Okay, so guys, you are dismissed if you're heading out, if you're planning to stay for the meeting. We're going to start that in about, I don't know, five to six minutes. We'll allow people to come up here and get prayer. Yeah, if you're staying, okay, good question. If you are staying for the meeting, maybe you could gather yourselves kind of in this, these areas over here, and I'll come down here and do the presentations.